What's up? Welcome to episode 57 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today is my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. What's up, peoples? And we've brought back our queen of anime for some non-anime-related talk. Mrs. Megan Peters is on here. I don't know why I said Mrs. You're not married or a school marm or anything like that. Um, <laughs> I mean... Miss Megan Peters oof. Yes, is back. back on the podcast today. Yeah. So, like I said, uh, sorry anime fans, we didn't bring back Megan to uh, do her usual dog and pony show. We're going to be talking about, because she has much more knowledge than that. So we're going to kind of break her out and talk about some other things, mm. like... In our news flash today, we will be talking about the G.I. Joe franchise, which just got a new lease on life. We'll be talking about Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn and where she may be popping up in the DC movie universe. We will be going over a little bit more of some Powers of X talk after we broke that comic down in our last episode. We have some new things to talk about. And we'll be talking about some RoboCop and some Star Wars, and all of that takes place in our news flash. So be sure to stay tuned after the break as we get into all of that. All right, so starting at the top today, we're going to talk about DC since we get accused sometimes of not doing enough DC stuff. Uh, oh, you saw that tweet? <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I saw that slide into my timeline, and I was like, Matt's going hard for the DC universe. Yeah, we get accused. I replied. Of, I didn't go. You did? I, didn't, I was. Yeah, no, you're, you're like one free of to the talk. biggest champions of DC Comics. <laughs> the number of times like you Matt, get me interested to reading things, I would have never known in half of stuff was going on. Like I'm reading yeah. Deceased right now. Yeah, but, it's like uh, the number of times you talk about Deceased in the office. Like I'm gonna read it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, yeah, I mean, but here, let's give some airtime to DC. So Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. As I was uh, kind of getting ready to come in here, I was doing, working on an article in which. Uh, it was a James Gunn post on social media. Apparently, they got a nice little arcade built for themselves on the Suicide Squad set. Pretty cool. Um, and he, in one picture, he's playing a game of a huge game of Scrabble that's hung up on the wall, and he's putting in character names, and he's like doing. There's one across the middle that says Harley, and then he's coming down and he's trying to make King Shark like intersect with that. And people are running with that, saying, "Oh my God! Oh my God! This is like our first confirmation that." Harley Quinn is coming back for Suicide Squad 2, or the Suicide Squad, rather, um, the reboot, uh, which was kind of in, it was kind of uh, in flux whether she would be making it back mm -hmm. for the sequel. I mean, you know, at first, originally she was, then she wasn't. Then earlier this year, we got a rumor saying that despite, you know, what you're hearing, she is going to appear in the film. And now people are taking this as confirmation that, you know, Harley Quinn's coming back. Uh, Margot Robbie's currently at work as Harley Quinn in filming Birds of Prey, which is, mm -hmm. you know, getting down and going to post-production because it's getting released early next year. But do you guys think she's coming back? I mean, like, to me, it's almost a guarantee. Like, yeah, she's yeah, coming it's back. Kinda, I assumed that that was happening. The only yeah. thing that would prevent her would be, like, scheduling, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yeah. she does have, I mean, a DC schedule. Right now she has Birds of Prey. If that does well, then we've already heard presumed timeline of her doing a Gotham City Sirens mm -hmm. movie and then there being a Birds vs. Sirens crossover movie. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it seemed like, yeah. And she also had, like, 50 projects in the DC universe. Yeah. yeah. There was those, that was that, another Suicide Squad movie, another Joker and Harley Quinn movie that was at one point mm -hmm. going to be. Because she I, was the linchpin. She yeah, was the yeah. thing that everyone resoundingly said, we like yeah. that character. She was <laughs> DC Wonder Woman. And I yeah. made a there. joke in the article that she is to DC now, like, what... Robert Downey Jr. was to Marvel like, <laughs> yeah. in the 2000s. Like, Good job, like, Margot Robbie. Exactly. Get that money, girl. Like, I mean, basically, yeah, she hops on here and then she just is like everywhere and she's somebody you can bank and mm -hmm. build a franchise around. So, I mean, I'm not too surprised. So far, we've already gotten, we know a man, um, Viola Davis is coming back as Amanda Waller in mm -hmm. The Suicide Squad. 
We also have gotten multiple teases that Joel Kinnaman will be back as Rick Flagg in the film. So bringing those people back and not bringing back Harley Quinn, even if it's just for like a smaller appearance or a role in the film, depending on like what Margot Robbie's available to do, mm-hmm. uh, it seems like it'd be crazy. And it seems like especially crazy not to give James Gunn oh, that character yeah. to play. Yeah, that, James yeah. Gunn with Harley Quinn Ugh. using Margot Robbie. Yeah. I, mean, I can only assume, I mean, everything that we read, that Birds of Price, it's looking good. I'm sure that Warner Brothers feels confident with it. A li- at least enough if they're like, Oh, yeah, take her take her back for Suicide Squad. Clearly, clearly they're happy yeah, with her. Yeah, and added to this story was the fact that James Gunn kind of hinted that, like, he's not going to be, he's not interested in doing, like, bigger DC Universe kind of cross-in ties, and he kind of threw shade at this suggestion that, you know, or the question that, will Batman show up mm-hmm. in the Suicide Squad? Because Batman, of course, Ben Affleck's Batman makes an appearance in the original Suicide Squad, back when we thought this was all cool in the DCU <laughs> after, uh-huh. after Batman Superman was all connected, and you know, we're like, yeah. oh, it's all connected, it's so great. Um, and he has those little cameos, those crappy cameo appearances in Suicide mm-hmm. Squad. But uh, Is that one of the worst post-credit sequences ever? Ooh, Suicide Squad? With him showing it's just, up with, it's just sitting happened. at a table, and he's talking to Waller. Oh, yeah. no, I actually liked that one. Did you? Okay. Yeah, actually, the Bruce Wayne one that leads into Justice yeah. I did like. Okay. What I'm talking about is just like the flash. Yeah. The Suicide Squad is mostly, the first half of the movie, it's just repeated flashback sequences. Him chasing yeah. the car and all yeah, that. Yeah, him chasing the car and Joker and Harley and then Amanda yeah. Waller just throwing these scenes and her like little backstory. I mean, they were so bad. I am also uh, just really like, excited for King Shark. At least the flash part was okay. <laughs> yeah, the flash, flash part was The flash good. part was great. Flash like, part. I was That's like, how you do it thank well. You. Thank like, you for doing it that way. Yeah. They, they tried to put drama into the Batman scenes with yeah. him and Deadshot and Deadshot's daughter and him. See, I didn't mind the Deadshot one either. I didn't oh. mind it, but it wasn't great. Like, yeah, off of but, Ben Affleck's Batman being yeah. this like, hardcore yeah. bruiser and he's having like a heart-to-heart in this alley with Deadshot and whatnot. And like, I don't know. It was weird, but we don't need him for this. Because, I mean, obviously the first thing is Suicide Squad's already in a weird enough place with how this movie relates mm-hmm. to the first one. Is it a reboot? Is it a sequel? Mm-hmm. It's kind of been like... People keep calling it a relaunch. Yeah. It's going to be that's a what lot. It is. Of they keep hedging their bets. They keep yeah. saying things like, oh, the things that have happened in this universe have happened, but this is a new story. I wish Gun would just come out and say like, hey, we're keeping all the stuff you loved. Yeah. Let go of everything else because if yeah. it didn't work the first time, we're not keeping it. We're not going to talk about it. Like, Yeah. So does that mean we are or are not going to get Slipknot back? Slipknot's dead. He's dead. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he is you a, wait, are you a Slipknot stand? <laughs> I mean, if I was going to stand in any part of the movie, it would be him. Well, he tried to run and now he's dead AF. R.I.P. King Shark, man. Yeah, King I'm Shark. so stoked for King yeah, Shark. Yeah, I want to see Harley Quinn and King. Like, I mean, there's just so many characters in this. Like, I want to see Harley Quinn just like with a league of people like King Shark, Rat Catcher. I mean, yeah. who was Polka yeah. Man in this? I forget. Uh, it was, was it? Yeah, it was Polka Dot Man. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just seeing those B-list villains and then her and then whoever, like if Aegis Elbra, whoever he's playing, like Bronze Tiger, whoever, being well, like, again, like the serious one, Harley Quinn just being in that, like that'd be great. God, so be you need that yeah. element. So I let's hope this one's true. All right, moving right along. So we're going to talk about G.I. Joe, a franchise we all pretty much thought was dead by this mm-hmm. point, like deader than doornails after that unfortunate run in the late 2000s with the... You didn't like retaliation? No. Also, why was my face so high? (laughs) No. No, Soldier Boy. I did not. so high. I don't know why I went that high. I I actually like Rise of Cobra better than retaliation. Whoa, what? Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh my god. Retaliation is such a dumb movie. Like, and it's so bad. Compared to Cobra? At least Rise of Cobra tries to have <laughs> stupid fun with this premise. Like, <laughs> with the accelerator suits and Marlon Wayans and, and like Channing Tatum. We're witnessing Retaliation the moment. Retaliation is just like a bad B movie that's sad and not even exciting at all. There's nothing G.I. Joe about it. I mean, the Ninja Cliff thing oh, is like the only. Uh, that's a huge, that's a very G.I. Joe that's sequence. Like a very, yeah, but it's like one And sequence. The Rock embodies a G.I. Joe character. Yeah. But it's okay. Really no, super Rock cool. does embody, but also we're witnessing the moment Matt's having a full mental breakdown. Oh no, yeah. I just never heard any. I, that's one of the almost like sure bets no. in geekdom is that like that movie gets trashed on. So I'm just amazed. No, that's awesome. No, love I, what I, you love. I'm just. I like Rise of Cobra for the stupid fun that it is. Baroness mm. was terrible though. Nah, we, I think Baroness was not. My oh, favorite. not even. Wait for the special <laughs> podcast Again, episode. Accelerator <laughs> suits. Uh, all right, but listen, episode. we can all agree that the best part of all those movies is what they're distilling down into this new project, which is a Snake Eyes spinoff mm -hmm. uh, with Henry Golding, who's in um, Crazy Rich Asians, and he's in mm -hmm. this new movie with Amelia Clark. Oh, yeah, the Christmas, Christmas one. Yeah. I know. So, what a great announcement timing. The trailer yeah. for Last Christmas comes out. It looks and it's so like, good. Also, you see this rom-com? Guess who's going to be in G.I. Joe? <laughs> like, that's... Like such I'm so timing. excited for that movie. When's Amelia Clark joining the franchise? <laughs> She's not busy. She's so basically, uh, yeah. So we're getting a spinoff, and okay. So it's exciting because you hear Snake Eyes. You hear this guy who's a you know Henry Golding, who's a really fast rising actor, and it sounds good. Of course, there are some caveats to this, and uh, a couple of them are the director Robert. Schwentke, Schwentke. I don't know how to say his name. Schwentke, uh, <laughs> the guy who directed the last two Divergent movies. So that's already a major red flag on this. And the other one is um, that this story will be about Snake Eyes as a as a kid yep. using his not the whole time, but like losing oh. his father, like, um, <laughs> and having to get revenge by joining a ninja clan. Um, so it's essentially, basically, like it's every kung fu story ever. Uh, yeah. with a G.I. Joe kind of brand slapped on it. So it's not even going to really... Uh, so it'll lead up to how he becomes Snake Eyes in G.I. Joe. So it's really not about G.I. Joe So it's a prequel. Much. Yeah. And it, yeah. Uh, now, here's the thing. <laughs> the only thing that kind of really gives me excitement... Oh, man. I'm about to blow it again. This is about to be Zelda 2 all over again. Zelda 2? What when happened I with it? When I couldn't remember the proper name for for uh, Zelda 2 when we were doing a show. I'm time. still tripping off of the fact that it's okay. Cobra is a better movie than I'm bringing sequel. up Zelda. Bring <laughs> I'm still tripping Do on that. trip on that. All uh, all I can't all process that. Um, um, okay, so I think it was... No, 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 no. It was uh, G.I. Joe, I believe... Uh, Renegades, was it? Oh, the adult cartoon that was kind of yeah, like... Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this was not it. adult, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like yeah. more mature. Kid. Yeah, yeah. It was more. It was older, and I love that. Oh thing. man, is it GI Joe? I know I'm gonna get this wrong. That cartoon was gonna, awesome. The internet's gonna tear me apart, but I think it might have been GI Joe Renegades. That sounds uh, no, right. No, GI Joe Resolute. I believe it was actually GI Joe Resolute. Okay, yeah, I think it was Resolute. Anyway, they had like this web series of shorts, mm -hmm. um, and one of them, the best one, was a Snake Eyes. Duel when he was a kid with uh, Storm Shadow mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. like a whole kind of ninja episode about them having this duel, which was freaking awesome mm -hmm. and like really good. Now, so okay, I'm just hoping this movie will kind of. I'm hoping this will be like to GI Joe what Shang Chi is to Marvel, which is a traditional kung fu movie, just like on steroids, boosted up with the fantasticalness of like comic book type mm -hmm. superhero stuff. Um, I would be all about this if it didn't take place in the past. 
if you said everything you said to me as far as like the yep. battle between them, the he has to like go back to his roots and ninja clans, all that sounds awesome. If it wasn't, oh well, this is how he becomes Snake Eyes. I don't Snake Eyes is cool in and of himself. I don't need a an origin story. I just want he's a badass. I just want him to be a badass. Yeah, Snake Eye has a whole origin story in G.I. Joe Resolute, mm -hmm. which is awesome. And yeah. so if they can take I hope this project is somebody just stumbled upon that web series mm -hmm. that some like, you know, douchebag in Hollywood was like, oh, man, I saw this web series. It gave me a great idea. Well, it was blowing lines like we should do a whole story. <laughs> show. So Snake Eyes movie like origin movie. Yeah. And I hope it's dope like this episode of G.I. Joe Resolute was. Yeah, because that's the only way. And I, like I said, just pumping a normal kind of Kung Fu Ninja story up and to be a little more fantastical and superhero-y. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, that's the only way you get around this. Otherwise, you've just bastardized the G.I. Joe. You just stolen the brand name to slap it on a generic ninja movie. So that's the question. Yeah, does that's, this that's kind of my question. Does this tie back to the other ones at all? Have Please, they said? They have not gone down that. I would appreciate it if they didn't. I feel like this yeah. is a really good opportunity, especially since it's branded Snake Eyes rather than like G.I. Joe colon Snake Eyes. Yeah. That this is a good way to kind of diverge that franchise because for that unless you're a die hard like fan like i feel like it kind of has a bad taste in your mouth yeah because yeah. It, you just kind of heard all these bad things about the last movies that came on the franchise before it died quietly yeah i think i definitely so think fresh is i feel better. like snake eyes you, you'll see a trailer for that in the theater and be like oh this looks like a really cool action film and you might not necessarily understand or really care that that it is a you know attached to gi joe yeah and that's so. what i'm hoping because Fingers like crossed. I said, Resolute, that G.I. Joe Resolute, for all me not being able to remember the name, did stick with me about how awesome it was. So I'm hoping it's that. And, like, yeah, it's not just – I hope we don't get shoehorned with some weird G.I. Joe prequel madness that doesn't make any sense. So, yeah. well, we'll see. I mean, we'll this, see. this franchise has a great history, so we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> all know, right, so moving right along. We have some disappointing news, which kind of bummed me out. Yeah. Um, Uh, Neil Blomkamp, director of District 9, Elysium, has dropped out of directing the RoboCop reboot, which mm. sucks. Uh, because we were really excited when we heard there was going to be, I mean, RoboCop reboot is not words that make people excited anymore. Thank no. you, Joel Kinnaman. Um, basically, like, reboot. But, like, hearing Blomkamp was going to do not even just a, like, he was going to do one of those direct sequels they were looking at possibly bringing back peter weller as robocop and doing this whole thing and people were like flipping out because blomkamp basically is a guy who kind of like pioneered certain visual effects he made awesome sci-fi stuff like photo reel mm -hmm. it sounded like we could get a really cool like robocop story even like out of the dark horse era something more heavily sci-fi who knows where he could have taken it and it would have been mm -hmm. great except now he's not in it he has another movie he's going to shoot for mgm and i'm kind of excited to hear it. it's a horror thriller he's taken on in a horror thriller movie Blomkamp so it would be interesting to see what that is mm -hmm. but it's now just moving on so he couldn't do it so they're not killing the film the film's still moving on mm -hmm. he's just not going to do it and he even said something along the lines of I'll be excited to watch in theaters with other fans and it's like mm -hmm. well you're like the only one at the point at this point who will be excited to watch that film in theaters with other fans because yeah. now, I mean, like, yeah. Was there already a script and stuff or no? Yeah, like, was he just directing or did he do, like, writing yeah. or, like, anything like that? Because then it's, like, if they're still going with his broader outline or his vision, then yeah. it's a little I mean, more interesting. He had a script for it because 
he, I mean, it was, I mean, he even had a title called RoboCop Returns. Oh, then I feel like yeah, he had a solid bit <laughs> of work to do with this film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the original script writer, an original RoboCop writer, Edna Numir, had stuff he was doing. They were working on a script, it says. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah, earlier this summer, it said, uh, early back in June, they were still working on the script. But mm-hmm. they had the idea. They had the story. Mm. I mean, he had everybody kind of involved that he needed. Like, yeah, so yeah. they were, I mean, this was in the, this was in the process. So we could still yeah. then see... At least a partial. Yeah, like some kind of yeah. broad interpretation of what he meant to do. Unless, exactly. Unless a new director comes in, looks at that script, and says, "Nah," <laughs> and does. I mean, which if does it happen. Justice League treatment that should work out well. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, that, but that's, uh, that's yeah, concern. I mean, but like, yeah, I mean, it could all work out, and can, we could get a great, like, you know, new director. But I think at the same time, we'll all still be wondering, like, what would have Niels Blomkamp's, and he's quickly just becoming the director of that, like. Mm-hmm. We all wonder what Neil Blomkamp's Halo movie would have been like. Yeah. We all yeah. wonder what Neil Blomkamp's Alien 5 would have been like if he had gotten mm-hmm. to do that like he was on the way of doing. And now we're going to wonder what Neil Blomkamp's RoboCop. At this rate, we're going to need a Powers of X freaking timeline <laughs> so we can have one where we get actual Neil Blomkamp movies that we wanted to see instead of Chappie. Um, oh. Well, hey, if he I needs a job, Chappie. Akira needs a director. So <laughs> That is true. Akira does need a director, so... I mean, I'd, he's I'd, like I'd, the I'd only like other guy I would trust probably doing that besides Taika exactly. Waititi. So, you know, there you go. We just came up with an idea. Neil Blomkamp, oh. save Akira. Please. All right, but we'll wait and see what happens with RoboCop Returns, and maybe we'll all feel better about it if it's announced like James Cameron's doing it. I don't know. All right, moving right along. Uh, Ewan McGregor, it's looking like uh, we're getting closer and closer to this Obi-Wan Kenobi confirmation. And now it's kind of being speculated that uh, D23 Expo, which is coming up next week, I believe, will, mm-hmm. one of the of the many announcements we're hoping to see from mm-hmm. both Marvel and Star Wars side, uh, that we'll get a confirmation on this Obi-Wan Kenobi project, possibly for Disney Plus as a kind of series. Um, this is a project that's been bouncing around I mean, they all stole it from my original, you know, <laughs> seven things that they should do with the Star Wars franchise when we basically, uh, when they sold Disney to, uh, uh, Lucasfilm to Disney, I wrote up, that was like one of the first slideshows I ever, and they stole f- quite a fair amount of those ideas. Hmm. Um, not all of them worked, because Ooh. in that thing I did suggest uh, a Miller and Lord Han Solo oh, yeah. movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was like, uh-huh. that would be a great gravy. That like I mean, like a comedy about Han and Chewie <laughs> first meeting on some kind of heist. I mean, you could and with have Bill been Lord right. and Chris Miller, and they actually did that. Yeah, and it fell apart horribly. So <laughs> maybe I mean, if they'd let it go, you could have been right. Um, but uh, I said Obi Wan Kenobi in that same post, and I've and I've rewritten this many different times in different ways. Would be great because he's kind of like the f- the different eras of Obi Wan's life are kind of like an epics it's like a knight story almost like mm-hmm. a king arthur story kind of um and all the changes he goes through and it could have a lot of shifting tones and like really kind of great stuff because the stuff when he's on tattooing is like a lot more meditative and like zen type stuff whereas mm-hmm. like before that it's like high flying adventure and all this yes. there's some love some intrigue you know with duchess sabine if you've watched the animated series mm-hmm. so obi-wan's a rich complex character ewan mcgregor's the man playing with him and um, I think I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. And I think there has even been some story suggestions in the past, but uh, <coughs> I would like to see something that kind of takes place when he's on Tatooine, something he becomes embroiled in that also recalls stories of his past, 
and things like that. That would mm -hmm. be kind of cool. Um, so I hope we get this announcement because uh, this is one Star Wars project I've really been waiting for, mm -hmm. and I'm excited for it. And it looks like Megan's pretty excited over there. Oh my gosh! I feel like I'm like such a huge like Star Wars freak. Like growing up on it, like when I saw Phantom Menace as a kid, like I'm pretty sure my first crush was Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan <laughs> Kenobi. I have like dedicated my like Star Wars fandom life to this character, and so like all of the well, it's not really considered any part of the franchise anymore, but all the extended universe books yeah. that I read about Obi-Wan in middle school and like gushed over. Like I'm I'm no Lucasfilm and Disney will try probably like shy away from that. I definitely think Kofi's probably closer to the nail of it being like Tatooine. Like before obviously Star Wars and him like reflecting on his past with like all of the battles he was in. Cause mm -hmm. like he had a crazy life. Like you you see him like with Qui-Gon and like Phantom Menace and you're like, oh he's gonna just be a really chill dude. He's like not. He like yeah. goes off and does all this crazy stuff. So Yeah, Clone Wars I, showed like yeah, why he, yeah, how Clone he grew Wars. into a great general. Um but yeah, just something kind of on Tatooine detailing how he mm -hmm. went from general to like true master, which is yeah. an important shift in Obi Wan's character. Mm -hmm. Um if you've ever he seen the episode out. of of uh, Star Wars Rebels, there's an awesome mm -hmm. episode where they kind of close off the storyline between Darth Maul and Obi-Wan. Mm -hmm. um, and so when he's on Tatooine, mm -hmm. and it, Darth Maul kind of tracks him down while he's and realizes that he's watching Luke and that Luke is this all-important mm -hmm. thing in the future, so Obi-Wan has to kind of defend him. Yeah. It's pretty freaking awesome. Yes. Uh, because you see the transformation where he's gone from the guy you knew in Clone Wars and the prequels to, like, being this master who can, like, seriously destroy somebody in, like, two sword strokes. Yeah. I mean, well. also, so. I wouldn't ever be opposed to them just doing a live-action version of Rebels. Oh, <laughs> Rebels has so many great Rebels episodes. Has so many good yeah. episodes. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. yeah. And that one was, yes. like, probably my top three favorites mm -hmm. um, of him. Yeah, so. And now that you've brought this up, I just want Darth Maul. I just want to bring Darth Maul back. <laughs> like, the choreography of that fight, I mean, with the backing of Disney and Lucasfilm, with the money that they're going to be willing to put into, into that, Disney yeah. Plus, if that is what this project goes into, I would be very surprised if this became like a movie. I feel like Disney Plus is yeah. like the perfect place. And, for and I think it's now it's so. a good time because there's a lot of themes of Obi Wan being so powerful and, and that is echoed in the original in the original Star Wars of him being so powerful, but like having the wisdom to know what to do with that power. It's mm -hmm. not just like go out and conquer the universe, go out and cut down all the dark side in the empire. Like he mm -hmm. has to play his position and a series could really go deep into examining how hard that is yeah. to kind of sit on the sidelines, knowing this greater good you have to wait for while things are turning really terrible around mm -hmm. you. Yeah. And it's partially your fault. So like, yeah. yeah, like all of that would be really heavy and Ewan McGregor would pull that off beautifully. Oh, for sure. So let's get it, Disney. All right, moving on to our last news flash story of the day. Um, this is just a quick revisit to Powers of Ten. We were talking about that and breaking down the spoilers for that. Tin foil hats on. Tin foil hats on. Um, Put them on tight. <laughs> and one thing we didn't come to that I wanted to kind of correct in our discussion is we had this whole discussion about, you know, now we've gotten all these layers about these different periods of the X-Men's future, uh, the various lives of Moira X, or who is Moira McTaggart as, a, as an Omega mutant. And then in, in this, Powers of Ten 2, there's a bunch of big reveals like... Uh, you know, that Xavier and Magneto have been working together with Moira since the beginning of the X-Men timeline, like we know. Uh, also, we got to look in and learn more about this future, which we all said was like, when Powers of Ten came out, was the exciting part for us, was this future 100 years after House of X, when the we find a world where 
a universe where basically the man, man and machine, and men, uh, humans and sentinels have united to form the man-machine supremacy, and they go to war with mutants who have been driven off of the planet mostly, except for the last surviving X-Men, and you know what that was all about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so this issue gives us a lot more of that. Yeah. And a lot more scenes of these future X-Men kind of interacting. <coughs> and with that, we learn that Apocalypse is their leader and has been, you know, in this timeline the whole time that something that Powers of 10 number 1 didn't reveal to us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was very crucial because it connected back to House of X number 2 and, and Hickman's not lying. Like you have, once you get a new issue, you read back mm -hmm. to an old one and it changes everything. So we read back to House of X2 and you realize, oh, there's a timeline in there where Moira and wakes up Apocalypse early. They kill Xavier Magneto, form their own X-Men, and start what's, what's labeled in the charts of timelines as the Apocalypse War yeah. that goes into an undetermined amount of the future. Well, some Marvel fan out there, and I'm butchering your Twitter name, I forget it, and I really should learn it, I'm sorry, but <laughs> kind of did a very careful reading and breakdown of this and noticed that in Powers of Ten, one page about the surviving mutants and the human supremacy and the man-machine supremacy mm -hmm. is labeled, you know, ML9 Apocalypse Build in, in one of those tiny little data footnotes that yeah. Pikmin includes uh, on the chart because they're, mm -hmm. they're like computer files. Yeah. And this is the call for that file is where it's categorized. And he kind of broke it down with other pieces of evidence to basically, and you can read this all on comicbook.com, to basically say that there's mounting evidence that the timeline with the future war, the man-machine supremacy, and even the one beyond that, a thousand years into the future, with the ascension is actually Moira McTaggart's ninth lifetime. And what the trick is of Powers of X is it presents it like it's the future of House of X afterwards. But this is the ninth time, like the ninth lifetime with the apocalypse and the ascension. And whatever happens to her in that Thing she doesn't die. She she could very well be the blue person we are seeing, seeing in that yeah. thousand year future because Apocalypse changes her. He gives her some of power in one of his quotes in the beginning of one issue is if you can survive long enough I will make you something eternal yeah. that mm. doesn't die and that she lives through that and and at the end of House of X two the Phalanx came in to cause this ascension whatever we're still learning is going to be and that somehow she goes through this entire cosmic evolution over the course of like a thousand years in this one lifetime and then house of x is her 10th lifetime and so now there's crazy theories about whether she dies or just diverges and there's a second moira and that gets crazy i'm not going into that <laughs> like, that house of x is her 10th lifetime and this changes so much about the story yeah mm -hmm. um especially like the x-men of the future who we now think are these chimeras because Mr. Sinister, the backstory is Mr. Sinister in this future bred all these pod people and there mm -hmm. were four generations and some of them. And so like Wolverine that we see, Magneto we see are actually like Magneto and Polaris hybrids, Wolverine and Sabretooth hybrids yeah. and stuff like that. And so we just wanted to put that out there because that's pretty mind blowing. I, I was really, yeah. uh, I can't believe that um, like I was, I was stunned when you said the, <laughs> when you were like, hey, the Polaris and Magneto thing and the Wolverine and like Sabretooth thing and how they're like, they really look like they're spliced together versions. Like those are all not the X-Men yeah. we know. And like, it was one of those things that like when you hear it, you go, ah, oh, of course. Like yeah. that makes total, like it clicked, like it clicked in my brain. Uh, there's, I mean, it really is. If, if that is the ninth, uh, if that is her ninth life, that really does require like you to go back yeah, and, and read, read all every single one of those. And it, the, yeah, it does and when change. When you do, and the, and the thing that's so great in this fan point out is when you go back, 
it all does connect and it makes sense. Because Powers of Ten, the first issue starts with her meeting Xavier at this carnival back in the past before mm -hmm. the X-Men. And he's just kind of sitting there being goofy, looking around all happy. And she walks up to him and she has this monologue that she introduces and she says, I was wandering through this carnival and I saw like, and she references things she saw in the carnival and there's three pictures in stained glass windows while she's talking in the panel. And one's of stained glass of Rasputin, one's of Cardinal, and mm -hmm. one's of the the Nimrod monolith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you don't understand that when you read Powers of X. You don't know what the hell that means. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But when you go back after House of X or Powers of X 2 and read that scene again, it's basically her hinting to Xavier that she's lived through this distant future yeah. in, in the Ascension and the Man Machine Supremacy War. And now she's coming back with all of that knowledge for this 10th lifetime. Yeah. Um, so it does. It tracks. And like I said, I mean, this, this whole theory was cracked because a guy noticed like one, one little, little data, data, file. data file notation. So how angry is Hickman about that and, now? He's and again, well, he's not because it. he's doing he's this on purpose. It. Because when you read it in Powers of X 1 again, you read that notation, it didn't make any sense to any of us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We didn't have any idea what that meant. Yeah, you have no context. No. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not until the next issue, House of X 2, that you have to read it and like then go back and read that, and now you can begin to pick out, oh, ML9 means Moira's Life 9. Yeah. And mm -hmm. the Apocalypse build is because that's when she became an Apocalypse being. Yeah, mm -hmm. it would be frustrating for him, I imagine, if he wasn't planting seeds and someone just guessed it. But these yeah. are things he's putting in there specifically for you to find. Yeah. And, as and he's forcing you to reread. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which, is, which is what I enjoy the most, because... That's good literature, like forcing you to reread. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, yeah, and there's even other things, other clues, like uh, Cardinal in this weird moment of dialogue when he's trying to escape this death mission with uh, Rasputin says, I'm planning this Black Seed of Krakoa, which is a portal that takes them back to Krakoa. And he's like, you know, either you'll make it or I'll see you again when the world is made again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And which is like, what is the hell does that mean? Is that like some weird religious thing, which is what it sounds like mm -hmm. the first the time, time you read yeah. it. But then you go back and read it after House of X2 and it's like, Oh, in this future, they know about Moira's yeah. power, and and they know that once this is over, there's a reset, mm -hmm. and that's kind of crazy. So, just wanted to throw that out there mm. and see if you guys had any additional thoughts. If you guys are enjoying this, I'm definitely enjoying it. I, I feel like I'm reading it more casually, so every time I come, that's in, not I, allowed, Megan. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I am. So every time I come get your in, foil hat. I just like. I come in absolutely confused. Like me and Brandon will be like, "What is happening?" Yeah, I'm. And I'm so deep in a rabbit hole right talking. now. Like about this. Like I feel like it's taking up all my time. But uh, congrats yeah. to Jonathan Hickman. No, all that's, right, that's great. When we come back, we are going to do for our deep dives today. We're bringing back rants and raves, where each of us get to rant and/or rave about things we are either watching, reading, or playing in the industry, and share those with you guys. So be sure to stay tuned. All right, so rants and raves. I'll go up first. Um, I'm just gonna run through some TV, actually, because we haven't like it's kind of hard to judge when we put TV on yeah. air and who cares and how much do they care. Uh, you know, we did an episode about the boys and it was like our lowest downloads in a while. So, mm. you know. even though everyone asked for the boys, exactly. Even though everyone asked for the boys, <laughs> yeah. Maybe we we're just too early. People are still catching on. So, so go back though. and check out the boys episode because we go deep into the boys. So Our uh, <laughs> phrasing, yes, I heard it mm. when I said it. All right. 
But for Let's a show just move like, on. Let's you know just what? move on. Sure, yeah. like that. No, for a show like that, I'm not changing what I say. <laughs> <laughs> the boys knows what it does and they know what they like. All right. <sighs> so I'm going to talk about some TV. Um, I'm going to talk about Preacher season four and uh, Krypton season two. Preacher season four has just begun. Krypton season two has just ended. Uh, Preacher season four is going to wrap up this story. This is the final season of Preacher, and so it's going to wrap up Garth. Uh, Garth, uh, Ellis, and, yeah, my God. Garthinus? Garthinus and uh, Ellis. I'm, like, combining people. Warren Ellis and Garth. <laughs> <laughs> Garth Ellis. Uh, yeah, Steve Dillon's story. Um, I, I just wanted to bring this up because I feel like Preacher has kind of lost a lot of its muster season by season. It's just this thing I'm kind of watching now. And the fourth season's kind of like that. Even though the fourth season's had some fun and inspired things in the first couple of episodes that have been put out, I feel like somewhere around the middle of season two, it kind of really lost steam in that New Orleans season mm-hmm. where they just were sitting around that house of Cassidy's son for like the whole season. Um, that got kind of boring. I thought when they introduced Hair Star last season, it would, it would get a little more exciting, and it did for a while in a couple episodes. But I didn't even remember like when this season started how the last one ended. I was like super duper confused. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, uh, it's not a good start. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's not a good start. Um, and so this one is just like, like I said, I'm just kind of in it just to wrap it up at this point. But like, yeah, uh, Preacher's not my favorite adaptation. And after seeing something like another Ennis project, like The Boys, mm-hmm. like it's even harder for me to enjoy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Preacher gets away with a ton of crazy stuff on TV. Some of the most brutal fight sequences I've ever seen. Uh, some pretty perverted, crazy stuff that they do, but it just doesn't compare. Like, Ennis is on the level like where something like Amazon streaming makes all the difference in the world yeah. mm-hmm. the boys and the production values on that. Even though it's like the same creative team, essentially, except that supernatural Eric Kripke makes all the difference besides yeah. just having uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. God bless um, Kripke. Yeah, God bless Kripke. So <clears throat> I'm in it for the finale of Preacher, and uh, I'm glad it finally did get made because it's one of those long-awaited projects yeah. that we yeah. were always waiting for. And for kids who didn't read the comic, I'm sure this is going to be great and send them back to read it. So that's all good. And I love the cast. Uh, Dominic Cooper, he's okay. I don't love him. But Ruth Naga and uh, <laughs> Joseph, Joseph Gilgan, who, uh, that guy, like, yeah, I love that guy because that guy is really, like, a real-life soccer thug. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just, like, this European soccer goon, like, dude. Perfect. Um, like, yeah, I met him for that uh, Vin Diesel movie, The Last Witch Hunter, when he was just, okay. like, that crazy, like, child witch. Abductor. Yeah. And, yeah. like, yeah, that dude is just straight up what you see on screen is like what he is in real life. And I love that dude. So, so I dropped off with preacher like, geez, after the first season, I think I dropped off the preacher. How close is it to, as far as like the ending of the book? Like, are they even close to that? Did they make it to like anywhere near the ending of the book or is it like cutting off way ahead? Like I never actually read the ending. I only read like, okay. the first volume. Um, yeah, uh, for what I understand, I mean, of course, they're taking liberties. But yeah. They're going to nail all the major points. Okay. Like, tracking down, getting close to God now. That's like the final stretch. Of, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, Adolf's taking off over hell. Like, all that stuff's happening. And this was the thing. They knew they were. it was their final season, yeah. so they were able to close it out. Okay, cool. Yeah. So that's that. Moving on, um, I'm going to talk about Krypton Season 2. I think Krypton is one of the most slept-on superhero shows. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't really get too crazy about it because I just 
caught up and binge watch the end of the season after falling <laughs> off for a good portion of season two. Um, because it's just one of those things that yeah. like, uh, builds up on my DVR and then I watch a bunch. But when I do watch it, I love it. Um, the cast is what really makes that show. The design and how they found an angle. Because we heard this thing about, we're going to tell the story of Superman's grandpa with no Superman. It's like, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, that sounded so boring. It sounded like, <laughs> sounded like that uh, Battlestar Galactica, Caprica, like that Battlestar Galactica oh, wow. thing was what we were all that. terrified Ooh. it would be again. Um, but no, they found a great way into that mythos. And season one was so tight with the reveals of like uh, General Zod and this, in you know, Light of Zod and the whole Zod L family feud mm-hmm. and the Romeo Juliet story. That was all good. And then Brainiac came in and we got this cliffhanger ending. And I thought, whereas most shows would like spend a whole second season dealing with like the whole Segel, Brainiac lost in a universe, being tracked by Lobo stuff, like they advertised at the beginning of the season. That is so wonderfully quick. Like the first two or three episodes get through all that and then they're back to Krypton. And yeah, it was much deeper. And this sophomore season was actually good about taking everything good about the first season, deepening the drama and the character arcs and making everything more complex. Um, They had some great reveals, uh, like some shocking character deaths, some great reveals. Uh, Yeah, some great sequences with like Doomsday and all that. And I'm not gonna spoil the end of the season for you. You should go watch it. But uh, let's just say I'm excited for a season three. So. If you haven't been checking out Krypton, like, and you're looking for, you know, good comic book TV shows right now, mm-hmm. uh, definitely check that out. Don't let it go dead in class on us, man, because I love oh, it. Dead oh. class Finally, I'm going to just say a quick thing about, since BD's not here, I'm going to, Brandon Davis isn't here, I'm going to talk about Fear the Walking Dead, which came back for the second half of season Whoa. five. And my God, this show. I loved this show, but it is sucking right now. And that's my rant, like... Fear the Walking Dead, uh, Bray Beatty referred to it, I think, as Gimbal speak, Scott Gimbal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when he started showing up in The Walking Dead, there was this trend of him talking about with characters being like, we're not good enough. We got to be better people. And this whole thing of morality, like, we want to be better people by helping people in the zombie apocalypse. Well, they've just taken that concept and thrown it into Fear the Walking Dead full tilt. And this first return episode is like a found footage movie of them trying to save a family and to all talking to the camera about how they're going to be better people and help the world. And it's just like... I don't want to watch this for this. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. Like, all this touchy, saccharine, feel good, we're going to be heroes crap. Like, you have lost this series. And it's a shame because it has such... Fear the Walking Dead has, like, great characters even quicker than The Walking Dead did. So it's Mm -hmm. boiled it down to just, like, just great fan favorites. Strand, Daniel, you know, Alicia... You know, John and June, this, you know, the couple that's like really good. Um, Lenny James as uh, Morgan. But they've ruined all these characters at the same time with this like overly existential thing about we want to be good people. We want to help people. We want to make up for all the bad stuff we've done. We're like, you guys aren't villains. Like, you've been the heroes we've been following this whole time. Yeah. Like, you've done some screwed up stuff, but like, I don't know. Yeah. So, Mm. as far as I'm concerned, Fear the Walking Dead is as dead, you know, as it gets. I mean, And it's not looking good for this Walking Dead franchise right now. So bring on that third show. I was going to say, yeah, I was about to get a third one. That'll do it for me and my rants and raves. Uh, Pass it off to Megan next. Hello. You thought that I was here to talk about things that were not anime, but at last, I am here to talk about anime. (laughs) (laughs) Kofi didn't know. I snuck it in. My rave right now is uh, real quick. Um... JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I've not talked about that series on this podcast, um, but it is just like absolutely insane. There's literally no way I can like boil it down other than the fact that there's like 
supernatural forces and vampires and like overt Italian fashion and like gratuitous like dancing poses. Anyways, it's a uh, latest season. Uh, Golden Wind just came to an end and it was excellent. If anyone is looking to kind of like catch up on some anime who or who doesn't like, you know, watching it week by week, they just get really annoyed with that. I just want to watch it all in one go. It is now done. You can now watch it. It is available online to stream Crunchyroll, Hulu, various other locations. And if you're someone who wants to actually watch anime while it's airing, um, a show Demon Slayer has just taken social media by storm. It was like trending like for two days worldwide on Twitter. On Twitter, I don't know what I, I like. Twinder. I like Twinder. Twinder. I like Twinder. Make sure send out the right things on the right platform. <laughs> Twinder is a terrifying idea, and I regret saying it. But wipe down. Uh, yes, but um, you can take your shot in hundred characters or less. Ooh, I just, oh I no, I need to copyright this real quick. Yeah, but yeah, you gotta do it. But Demon Slayer, it's an excellent show. Um, that's definitely a rave for me. A second rave for me is also. It's not a new thing, but it's new to me because I, of all the uh, writers here at comicbook.com, I have not seen like a lot of like staple films like Back to the Future or anything. You haven't seen Back to the Future? I, I have now. That. Oh, okay. I have oh, now. where this is headed. I have now because this weekend I'm going to visit my best friend whose husband just bought a DeLorean. Wow. wow. So I get to, and he was like, you literally can't come up here and get in this DeLorean unless you've seen the movie. Because he's like the biggest back. Like there, his groomsman cape was a DeLorean. I mean, he just bought a DeLorean. Yeah, like he is <laughs> you, he's <laughs> obsessed. Yeah. So I have now gotten to see uh, Back to the Future if anyone wants to talk about that this movie point with the DeLorean, having grown up in the 80s, is just a really crappy car. Oh, yeah. No, they're terrible. Oh, but. his is like all souped up and stuff. Oh. Yeah, his is all like, it's like the body, but it's just like that. And I'm yeah. like, all right, I'm now excited if anyone wants to talk about that. My rant for this week is probably a rave to everyone else, but also oh, the comic book staff people. I've never watched like scary movies, but it chapter two is coming out and I am obsessed with Stephen King. I love his novels. And so I loved the novel for it. And I've never seen the first one. I never saw chapter one because I was too scared. I was too chicken. So I will be watching that this weekend. And I'm just ranting because I'm scared. Oh, I was so <laughs> scared because I thought you were going to rant about the first one. I'm like, no, I love the movie. No, I, I'm wanting encouragement here of, of why. It's so good, even if you're not like, because I'm not either. I'm not a giant horror genre fan. But that movie's just great. Okay. The movie's good. All right, I'm just, I'm really looking for hype here because I'm watching it like in literally probably like five hours. <laughs> Man, Back to okay. the Future and It. Yeah, that's, yeah. One, that's a good lineup. You're not going to be disappointed with that. Yeah, yeah, I'm catching up. But uh, yeah, I haven't seen any scary movies. So again, if you want to hit me up with some some terrifying ones, I'll tell you this. My, my boyfriend was like, all right, we're going to start you with scary movies. This is where you're going to start. I was so low on the level. We start with Ghostbusters. Oh, my God. Wait, had you not seen Ghostbusters before? No, because I well, was I mean, too scared. That was too, I mean, I was things were edgier scared. back then. Yeah. I legitimately got it was scared. Like a PG, it was like when PG was still like kind of edgy. So wait, did you watch Ghostbusters yet? Yeah, yeah, I loved How it. How was it? Okay. It was pretty great. I absolutely loved it. Up until now, the scariest movie I've seen was like Jurassic Park. Oh, wow. And I still had to like. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people were scared of Jurassic Park. That's like. I had to like close my eyes for a lot of it. Yeah, like a lot of people were scared for Jurassic Park. That has a lot of scary moments in it. So, like, yeah, Ghostbusters is a lot lighter fare. Uh, yeah, yeah, so there's that. I'm watching uh, The Mummy in a little bit. I know that. Oh, I love like, that movie. I know it's not scary, <laughs> but I'm just I'm just. You should mainly... watch both of John Car or both of the things. You should watch the prequel first and then the original afterwards. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm scared. I Those think I do yeah, worse classics. with like paranormal scary yeah. things. So I'm not as, I don't know. I've never seen it, but I know like the book. So like I'm like kind of scared, but kind of not scared. Don't but anyways. Worry. They take out the child gangbang. So you're, you're safe. Well, there we go. I'm feeling immediately better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyways, that's my rant. Please make fun of me for that being such a baby. That was my rant about Stephen King. <laughs> wow. Uh, so there you go. Okay. So <laughs> I'm going to segue child from. Child gangbang too. <laughs> There's no uh, a wonderful book for children, actually, was oh, my first thing. Oh, I'm no. not kidding. That was the first oh, thing on the card. Oh, and so minute. you wait, set it up. Show, you Matt. set it up as a weird thing. I'm pretty All sure right. the FBI. No, I actually. get children's stuff in this show, okay, so I thought so, it was pretty Actually, safe. I am going to segue to something better. I just Okay. Yeah, let's go. Uh, so uh, I recently had the chance to, uh, we have a growing tabletop uh, gaming presence here at Comic Book. So uh, Plat Hat Games, who makes some phenomenal games, including one of one that I will always champion, which is Mice and Mystics, RIP to all the mice movies. Um, so uh, Abomination, the heir to Frankenstein, is a new game that just came out from them. And it is essentially, uh, me and Charlie originally were playing in the office. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a, a thing where it's set 20 years after Mary Shelley's uh, death. And so you're actually going from like Mary Shelley's notes and somebody else picks up the project. And there's like some secretive people kind of behind the scenes and they're like, you need to make this creature. So you play competing uh, scientists and you're trying to you're trying to assemble enough body parts to then create and bring to life your Frankenstein's monster. So you're literally going to like part of the game That's is cool. finding materials. This game, not the board version, the light version. It doesn't work out well. So it's actually really interesting because like parts of the game you can go to like someone can go to the morgue and get actually like get bodies that way. You can go to the graveyard, but they're those parts are gonna degrade faster yeah, than I was about others. To say, that's the downfall of that always. You can straight up kill people in one section. Uh, but then you'll yeah, gain a police present. Yeah. Uh, you can also use animals, which is kind of screwed up. Uh, I never did because I have like a Pink morality heart, line even well, in game. So you're not gonna kill the animals, but did you kill people? <laughs> I did not. Uh, I tended okay. to, you can do like research and like volunteer at the hospital and over time you gain enough reputation to buy bodies, but you have to then like, you know, you have to do a lot of shady stuff to get there. Uh, and you can actually end up like losing uh, humanity for a lot of things. It's really interesting. It's got a little bit of a steep learning curve, but it's a blast. So look for the review on that uh, on comicbook.com shortly, probably in the next few days. Sounds like a game made for my sensibilities. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's really interesting. I, that's a ray for me because that was really fun. Uh, and also, just a quick shout out, uh, our uh, Tanner, uh, who is one of our gaming experts here, uh, recently had the chance to try out Borderlands 3, tried out, uh, there's actually like 35 minutes of gameplay on the site, um, and he also got a ton of different uh, interviews and stuff. But one of the coolest things is that Ice-T is in the game, yeah. <laughs> doing yeah. the voice uh, for a, an AI teddy bear. Like a, it's, He's essentially like a teddy bear. <laughs> And it's it's awesome. So if you can picture Ice T's voice coming out of a little teddy bear rolling around with you, and it's all that same humor. And he was an AI that essentially like uh, ended up getting a split with <laughs> the AI he was going out with, and ends up in his teddy bear. Right? It's this whole screwed up thing, but it's awesome. So you can get a bunch of information on that uh, on yeah, combo.com as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's I'll end it on a light note. 
So real quick, the kids thing I wanted to actually shout out at the beginning of this was Dear Justice League, uh, which is a it's a middle grade uh, DC's middle grade books. Uh, and it's just freaking adorable. So like the art is awesome. Uh, it's written by Michael Northrup and uh, drawn by Gustavo Duarte. I hope I uh, pronounced that correctly. Um, and it's Ultra essentially you did too. <laughs> <laughs> it's kids for real. It's kids writing notes and letters and even like sending emails to Justice Leaguers. Aww. And they Aww. like Superman, what happened to your face? Well, like Aww. it's like a whole funny thing, right? So like the kid asks, you know, do you ever like screw up sometimes? And there's this whole adventure that plays out because Superman was paying attention to his texts and ends up causing like five or six like huge atrocities and like has to clean up those messes and then like it's those kinds of things it's really fun really lighthearted uh, so it's out now and you can check out our review and an interview with the creators soon so dear Batman are those men you ran over with your car ever coming back Batman's awesome by the way because he does not he's the only Justice Leaguer that does not have email he does old-fashioned letter <laughs> oh my god because you can hack all the other stuff, but you can't haggle it. Does he just sign it with a bat? He does have a bat. He does have a bat. Bat stamp. A bat quill. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's really cute. So anyway, that's adorable. That's our lighthearted. That's good. That sounds like good one for the kids. So let's end on a wholesome note for the kids. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for this episode of Hey Man. You talk to Stephen King. Don't send me your tweets or your letters. Stephen King's on Twitter. You send him those letters. That's and those true. Tweets. Though. Yeah. You, you didn't write that. No, I did. Anyway. <laughs> That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. If you want to join the journey and you're just popping in a couple times, but you want to get on the full ride of this train, we put up new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com where you can subscribe to our RSS feed or you can subscribe on your favorite listening platform. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, Google Podcasts, Google Playlists, or you can tell any Amazon Alexa device, play Comic Book Nation. It'll fire up right for you. If you want to continue the discussion of anything we were discussing today you can always hit us up on social media at the hashtag comic book nation or you can reach me at kofi outlaw you can reach me at matt aguilar cb and you can reach me at megan peter cb and if you like the show go on itunes leave us a five-star review we read reviews periodically on the show if we read yours we will send you some uh, comic book nation swag in the form of a t-shirt pretty awesome t-shirt uh today G producer jim viscardi isn't in here today so i'm not going to read any because I always like him to be present before I saddle him with a bunch of work <laughs> of uh, uh, t-shirts. <laughs> I'm sure he's still working out the last batch. Uh, yeah, that's the note. If you guys heard your review read, you contacted us, give us at least two weeks to get your shirt out to you because we send them out in big batches because there's a lot of you. We're getting a lot of good reviews. Kofi read like... Yeah. You read like 20 over the last... to make Jim, like, <laughs> his eyes start to tear up. <laughs> All right, now, I'm going to get out of here and go cough a whole lot because I am still sick with this weird plague. Thank you, kids. Uh, that'll do it for us. This has been Comic Book Nation. We're out of here. Deuces. Peace. See ya.